Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. I'll slow down the pace, Steve. I'm going to slow it down a bit hyper. Um, I'll, I'll Steve, slow it down for you. <laughs> Steve's here. He's sleepless in Sydney. He hasn't had much sleep at all. Um, Emily's been keeping him awake. His daughter's been keeping him awake. Both of them have, but mainly the younger one. It's brutal. They say that, you know, successful people only need two or three hours nights, two or three I'm not hours. I'm successful. You really know this. <laughs> this, is, and this isn't helping. <laughs> so this Steve, really isn't helping. So Steve said, I'm looking forward to the podcast today because I'm looking forward to getting, get, you know, clearing my head, getting it off my mind, not thinking about no sleep, talking about Porsche. Correct, Steve? Did I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what I said. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, that's Steve coming in from Sydney. If you haven't been here before, my name is Michael Bath. Uh, this is the Porsche Cool Podcast. Steve, what's been happening? Mm. Let me just fill you in and what's happened mm. um, to yeah, the listeners. Who, to the listeners who have listened to, actually, I don't know if they know. People who follow me on Instagram would know, and I guess we spoke what? about it last week. I'm I'm not in Bahrain. I'm back in London. Um, you can see it in the background. You can see reflection of you some said kind that of last week. Did I? But I was in Bahrain last week. I wasn't in London. Yeah, I thought you said you were flying. Anyway. Okay, well, I've flown now. Everybody, I've flown. I'm here. <laughs> I'm in London. <laughs> I'm actually back, back in the London flat. Uh, and it's nice. It's nice to be back, actually. Mm. I've had a lot of people reach out to me already about catching up. I really feel like, oh, I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm stressed under, under limited time, but I'm going to try to. But I, I feel like uh, the three weeks are going to go really, really quickly because I've literally got three weeks before we jet off to Sydney on that Here's beautiful long-haul flight, when, which I'm not used to anymore. When Ajmal offers to pick you up in a box turd, like in that stinky smell machine, what's, what's your response going to be? Well, I noticed you probably haven't seen uh, Ajmal. We're talking about Ajmal at Flat Cap Driver. Most of you know who he is, but if you don't, go and check out Ajmal's um, YouTube channel and Instagram. Give him a follow, subscribe, all those sort of things. But Ajmal's just bought the, uh, what do we call it, the cheapest boxer in the UK, Steve? I don't know. Is it? I think it's it is. certainly cheap. But I watched the video. I watched your video, Ajmal. I know you're listening. I watched the latest video that, uh, I think it's the latest one, where he was cleaning it. He took the seat out and he's cleaning it and vacuuming it, Steve. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, it yep, looks pretty. It looks a lot better, but it's. Uh, I think it's a two thousand nine eight six Boxster. I'm going to say it's a two point seven because it's two thousand. I'm taking a guess here. I can't remember. Um, Might be a two point five. Is it a two point five? See the two point five or two point seven? It's a two thousand. I know he said it was a two thousand in one of the earlier videos. I think yep. it's uh, it's blue. I think it's zenith. Is it zenith blue? Is that purpley blue? Lapis. I don't know. Huh? Might be lapis blue. Is it? I don't think it's lapis. I don't think it's lapis because lapis is a bit more cobalt, isn't it? Yeah. Slightly mm. more kind of sky, cyan anyway, blue rather I'm than... I'm sure someone else knows. Blue. I'm sure Ajmal knows what colour his boxster is. But it's got nice wheels. Um, when, Ajmal, <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when Ajmal first uh, sent me images or sent me the link of the eBay ad of this car that he bought, I thought, man, those wheels are good. If you get those wheels, uh, if you get Chris at XL Wheels, Chris, Chris at XL Wheels in the UK is the guy that did my wheels. Very, very good if you're in the UK. If you need your wheels refurbished or fixed up, give uh, follow, uh, contact Chris. He's got a website. He's got an Instagram, actually, Chris at XL Wheels. Um, I was saying, Steve, if Ajmal got those wheels refurbished, worthwhile you could sell them. They're worthwhile to sell. The, wheel. the wheels are probably worth more than the car, right? Yeah, I don't know. If the, I, I think so. Like those GT3 wheels were always really kind of cool, GT3 style wheels. And they're made by BBS. Um, yeah. 
That'd be a pain in the bum to refurb because um, they look like shit two now. Piece. They look terrible now. But also because they're two piece, so you've got to pull the little bolts off and clean, like probably replace them and pull it apart and all that sort of stuff. Yes, um, but they're very nice wheels. They are very nice. I did say that to Ashmel. Chris at XL, I noticed. I think it's going mm. way back on his Instagram. He has done a couple of of those wheels before, those mm. uh, GT3 wheels. Um, yeah. There was before and after shot. I'm pretty sure it's on his Instagram. Um, so he has he has actually done them before. But yeah, I mean, I, look, you know, all jokes aside, I think it's great that Ajmal's experiencing another Porsche. He's got a box to Steve. Mm. He he now owns more Porsches than you and I do. He's got three. He's got his mm-hmm. 996. He's got his 912, which I think he mentioned he was selling, which I have no idea why he would want to sell that. And also oh, his he? crusty Boxster. Oh, yeah. Right. He's got a Porsche collection. Porsche You've not been in any of them, have you? I've been in nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, right. I'm cool. a hard man to get a hold of, as people know, mm-hmm. for some reason. I want to come back to how I got here, Steve. I got, I got here, huh? I got here through Golf Air. We flew into London. Oh, okay. um, but yeah. I wanted to say before I left Bahrain, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off on watches for a second. Before I left Bahrain, I had a. Uh, I had a pretty fun evening actually, and I'm not going to mention his name because like he likes to keep to, he likes to stay anonymous. Um, but on Instagram, it's time and talk, T I M E and talk. Um, go and um, got to make sure I don't say his name. Uh, go and say hello to my friend. Give him a follow. Tell him that uh, he had a shout out on Portugal podcast, uh, and that's why you're <laughs> why you're over there. But we went out, and I told you, Steve, we went out to the mm. um, uh, the watch shops in the Souk in the Gold Market in Bahrain. Um, watch shops that I haven't been to before watch shops that obviously a lot of them are gray sellers and they sell Rolex and stuff. And basically they have quite a few on display and then basically it's like, what do you want? And then they'll, they probably have it out the back. Um, prices are expensive. Um, but he has, uh, my friend in Bahrain, uh, time and talk. He has a, uh, VC, uh, overseas dual time white face, which is very nice. And he's got a, it's pretty nice. The dual time. I know they're supposed to be like make up the kind of big three. Because the Gerald Genta, you know, like yep. three famous sort of designs. But of the three, that's the one that I like the least. Yeah. Do you want to explain who Gerald Genta is? You can explain. He's just like <laughs> the, the most famous watch designer, isn't he? Yeah, he's the famous watch designer. Um, Patek, uh, Nautilus, wasn't it? Nautilus, yep. AP, Royal basically... Oak. We're all like, yeah, all the all the famous ones. Uh, he's the designer of them, but the VC, um, the VC overseas dual time. I wasn't, I haven't really been looking at uh, Vacheron that much. You know what I mean? Mm. But I have started to look at them. For me, I like the simplicity of the blue face one. There's a plain blue face one, and that one's pretty nice. Right. And then he's got a Rolex uh, sub, the bluesy one, the two tone one, which is really nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that was fun. That's what I did before I left Bahrain. So that was like one of the last. I think that was the night before I flew out. Um, so that was good. It was fun. It was good to gotcha. catch up and good to walk around. Uh, he, uh, he, I'm uh, talking about cars. He had a SUV. He had a, um, he's got a Hyundai, is it Palisade? The big SUV. It's like a big American SUV, but it's a Hyundai. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell yep. you what, they're nice. They're actually a really nice car. Nice inside. Get one. Get one. And no, someone, uh, Natasha's um, father's friend in Bahrain, he bought a Genesis, the one that looks like a Merc, which is like the really the saloon yep. type Genesis, which is a Merc, which is also a Hyundai. I never realized Genesis was a Hyundai. I thought Genesis was associated with, for some reason I thought it was Nissan. I don't know why, but I didn't realize it was basically. Uh, it's Infinity. 
It's just ah, like Lexus right. is to Toyota. Infinity. That's what it was. <clears throat> anyway, that was it. Yep. What else, Steve? Let me just get onto this. Oh, uh, Patreon. Uh, Patreon is, you know, I was looking at um, Smoking Tire's Patreon page the other day because he has Patreon mm-hmm. now, uh, the Smoking Tire mm-hmm. podcast. Wow. I tell you what, that's a pretty popular podcast, huh? He's got like something yeah. like 500 patrons already on Patreon, 500. Um, yeah, that's right. a lot. Um, we have 46, 47, <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay. But seriously, yep. it's 500 is like, that was quick, you know, considering how you just started it. Anyway, yep. uh, I want to say thanks to Mark. Mark is a new member of Porsche Good on Patreon. Uh, Mark joined during the week. Um, so thank you, Mark. Thank you. What did Mark tell me? He said he just listened to the Wheelman episode. Um, did you like the, the title of last week's episode? I still don't actually understand. <laughs> I'm sure everybody else is kind of saying the same thing. No, nobody, so understand. nobody, nobody, nobody like, understands. What's the relevance of this title to the actual things that are said? <laughs> it's about driving. It's about Porsche being a true Porsche driver. You know what I mean? Having experienced all the brand. That was, how we, that was the conversation we were talking about. Oh, tenuous at best. Okay. Oh, Mark understood. <laughs> he said, I just listened uh-huh. to the Wheelman episode. I was stuck. I was struck that the gap in my... I hope you don't mind me reading this, Mark. This is a private message you sent me, but I'm sure it's okay. I was struck that the gap mm. in my Porsche experience is with the modern cars. My daily driver is a 968. I also have a 72 911T um, that he's owned for 35 years and a 62 356. Now, that's a pretty nice collection. Um, yeah. And they're the only Porsches he's ever owned. He said he'd love to own a 991. Um, but yep. there's an issue of funds. So he feels like he's missing out on recent developments. Goes to show that it's hard to feel like a fully knowledgeable wheelman. See, Mark got it. Mark understood it. <laughs> Steve's shaking his head. He's going, what are he's you a, talking about? He's a smarter man than I. All right. Um, if you want to join Patreon, like uh, I always say, and Steve never says, but I always say, if you just go to patreon.com slash Cooled um, and you can join from 2 to $10 a month, it really does help us keep talking um, for as long as we're going to be here. I'm not sure how long that's going to be, but we're still talking at the moment. We're still here for the time being. Um, just. Owner stories. Steve is very tired. Steve is, is, is hard for Steve today because he's very, very tired. Um, owner stories this week. Um, I know you probably haven't listened to it, Steve. No, it only came up overnight. Yeah, so. and I didn't send it to you because I've been, I don't know what I've been doing. I actually don't know what I've been doing this week. I think I've been sleeping. It's all right. Number 55 of the owner stories. Uh, a long time since number one when Nick was on it. So number 55 with Devin. Um, had a good chat with Devin. Uh, Devin, mm-hmm. if you want to go and uh, follow him on Instagram, it's at Devin Vincent. Devin's a fashion designer. Uh, he has his own clothing brand. Um, really mm-hmm. nice guy. Uh, Devin's actually a friend. I know you're listening, Devin, but uh, Devin's a friend of Brian. And Brian uh, was on Owner Stories. <sighs> what Owner Stories was Brian on? Brian, I can't remember. I can't remember, Brian. I'm sorry. I should have written it down. I can't remember what Owner Stories you were on. Um, a few weeks back anyway. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. is at Manuel996 on Instagram. M-A-N-U-E-L-L, I think, 996. Who doesn't mm-hmm. own a 996 anymore? He sold it. He's got a 991 now. So he recently bought a 991. Um, so he doesn't have his cab anymore. He's got a uh, coupe, 991. Devin had a good story, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. He learnt stick on a Volvo. Nothing exciting, as he said. Then at 16, he was given a 66 Mustang, which him and his friends kind of wrenched on and fixed things on, which, you know, it needed a lot of fixing, apparently. Then he got into yep. Jaguar ownership, which he found quite enjoyable and quite reliable, which surprised me. Yeah, that's um, surprising. <laughs> I often hear that. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, he had a friend and mentor that he used to meet up with beers and chat. I don't want to give away the whole story. I always give away too much. I'm just going to do it briefly today. Um, but he had a friend and mentor that he used to meet up and chat about with cars and, and Porsche. And his friend had a Porsche, um, which I don't think he was driving it at the time, but he had a Porsche that, we, that he, he just kept and was in his garage. But anyway, Devin eventually got into Porsche. He bought a 911 Turbo uh, Tiptronic. He didn't really love the Tiptronic. He still wanted, he wanted to try and search out a manual. So then he did a swap. He managed to do a swap for his 996 Turbo Tiptronic, Steve, for a 997 Carrera 4S. And the guy gave him extra money for his Carrera 4S. For the, for the Turbo, sorry, for the Turbo when he swapped it. Yeah, okay. Um, the Turbo had less miles than the 4S and, and I think that was probably yep. the reason. So he enjoyed that for a few years and then he wanted a raw experience and, unfor- and you know, sadly his, uh, his friend and mentor passed away and he decided to buy that uh, 69 Porsche 911T long hood hot rod because it's got a different engine in it. Um, he decided to buy that from the estate and that's the car he has mm-hmm. today. It's originally tangerine. If you look at the photo on Instagram, you can see on the bumper on one of it, you can see the tangerine coming through, Steve. He hasn't done, his, hasn't done the paint job on it. It's still in black. Right. Uh, it was painted right. black some years ago. Um, and he's going to fix up the interior and everything. But mechanically, I think it's pretty okay. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It's a good story. I mean, I like the 911T. I mean, I really, you know, I don't have the money to buy one, but I do like them. They're, they're a nice looking, mm. um, nice looking 911, especially in that 69. I do like the 69 model year for some reason. I don't know why. All the cars of that kind of vintage, all the 911s, like, just look super cool. They're yeah, yeah. No idea how they drive, but they look cool. They do look cool. They do look cool. Devin's also a watch, a watch guy as well. He's got a, um, he's actually got an OP41. Um, which is really cool. Yeah, the one that I've wanted for a long time. Not OP41. What am I talking about? He's got a Royal Oak 41. AP Royal Oak 41. Yep. Yep. What else? What else? Um, So make sure you listen to that. That's Owner Stories this week. Uh, Only came up today. So um, today's we're actually recording this on a Tuesday. But when you hear this on Friday, it will be up for a few days. So make sure you check that out and go over to Devin's Instagram. He doesn't have many pictures of his car on his Instagram. He has a lot of pictures of his um, clothing brand. I think he's going to change that. He's going to put some more in the story and add some more images over there. But um, go over to Devin's uh, Instagram and give him a follow. And... Let him know that you heard his story on Porsche Cooled. Steve, you got a recommendation? Let's go straight into the recommendations. Oh, okay. Um, I'll tie it into something that was asked of you and then you passed the question on. Um, so my recommendation is uh, the ceramic coating that I used, which is Kamikaze Miyabi. Um, and I'll go into it further when we kind of lead into that part of it. But okay. um I did a lot of kind of homework and asked my uncle and just read a bunch of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And that's the one that I kind of arrived at um, for mainly for quality and ease of use. Um, And I'll explain that a bit more. But so it's not cheap, definitely not cheap, Um, but it's been around for quite a while. And there's a lot of noise in ceramic coatings and stuff like that. So it's enormously hard to work out what's good and what's bad and, you know, if you kind of fall into the hole of watching a billion YouTube clips, you can kind of also tell, again, this is me advertising cynical guy that kind of goes, a lot of those things are probably quietly sponsored. So you think that you're getting a, a objective recommendation, but they're probably kind of being paid or they've been slipped the product for free or whatever. So, you know, 
do you really know whether or not that's actually like a good recommendation or not? Yeah, that's a that's the worst thing about YouTube is when you actually start to get even and small Instagram. and Instagram yeah. small amounts of views. But YouTube, I mean, I had you know I had a few people approach me for to give me free products. Some I took up and some I didn't. Not very many yep. actually. Uh, I think a yep. watch roll or something and yep headphones. I think headphones when I was doing tech reviews as well. Some tech reviews. I think headphones. But I had a lot more yeah. other emails that people wanted to send me stuff. You know what I mean? So. Sometimes I didn't take them up because it was just too difficult to where to get them post posted to, and you know you don't want to give out your home address and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do get approached, and you're right. It's it's very hard to know what is real and what is not real. And sure, they've got to say that it's sponsored or not sponsored, but some people don't. No, they don't. They don't. don't. They don't have to. Like in the old days of like proper editorial in terms of proper journalists and stuff, you would you declare whether or not you know it was free or whatever else, or if they kind of gave you like a free hat or whatever. Um, you know, hence like yeah. Matt Farrell always giving away like Lamborghini helmets because he doesn't, he feels like it compromises his credibility as a journalist. Um, yeah. It's the wild west with social media. Like you don't actually know what's, um, you know, sort of, not, I'm not sort of saying that they're dodgy. It's just that it's very hard to kind of remain neutral if somebody's kind of giving you something in return. I find it, what I find a bizarre, and we'll get back onto the podcast, but I find what's a bit yep. weird is that yep. these brands, some of these people, yep. they get a little bit annoyed if you say no. Like I've had people get annoyed with me <laughs> recently, obviously, um, but I get anno- right. people get annoyed if you don't want to do it. Like, why don't you want to do it? You know, and it's like, well, um, I don't know if I have to explain to you why I don't want to do it. Like that watch company, they wanted me to explain yep. to them why I didn't want to do it. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, are you seriously asking me this? Like, I don't want to answer that question. You know what I'm saying? And it's the way yeah. that they ask it. And I think it's like, hmm, hang on, I don't know about that. I don't know. It I'm assuming that bit. the kind of people that are approaching you, again, this is sort of like slightly industry sort of uh, skewed opinion, but I'm assuming the people that approach you in that regard probably often aren't the the actual brand, but it might be like the go-between, like a PR agency or whatever. Mm, no, it's a brand. The ones is that it? have contacted like, me is a brand. Yeah, like some clients like wouldn't really know and then they would kind of hire like their advertising or in this instance more more often would be a PR agency. They would then kind of go, oh, okay, this is our target market. It's, you know, 40 to 50 year old white male, blah, 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 with this sort of income and this sort yeah. of interest. Yeah. And then they'd kind of go and look at like their database of how to reach these people. And then they'd look at your audience and yeah. your numbers and stuff. Yeah. So by the time, I'm assuming by the time you get contacted by, you know, said person in PR agency. Um, they're going to be very commercially minded and they're just going to assume that, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't have a shit's clue who you are and what your podcast is about. They would have never listened to it. They'll just kind of go, oh, aren't you in it to make money? Okay. But the weird thing is, the weird thing is, yeah. right, is that the podcast has had nothing. Yeah. The podcast yeah. has had, you know, uh, I'm not going to mention who it was, but one, yeah. two yeah. reasonably well-known things approached and then one yep. product, the thing yep. that I've had, and you know, and don't forget, the podcast has more downloads and more than my YouTube, right? Yep. And then, yep. well, not more downloads actually, because my YouTube's had like 1.4 million views or something in total now over the years. Yeah. So it's yep. sorry, that's wrong. That's incorrect. But as in, as in followers, as in. I don't know. See, this is where I find it really weird and we, I'm getting, we're getting slightly off track, but I find this a little bit weird because it's not about, 
I keep saying to people who ask this question, it's not about how many subscribers you have because it doesn't really matter if you no. only have 5,000 subscribers. Yeah, no, no. I've had it more doesn't. people approach me on the YouTube channel to give me headphones, to give me hard drives, to give me iPhone holders, to give me all these things. And like I'm talking about a lot. And these are small, these are Chinese companies, right? Obviously, they're yeah. little companies that are trying to break through, but they're not that little. They're on Amazon. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, watch rolls, you know, watch products, watch straps. You know, there's been a lot. And I, most of them I say, most of them I ignore or, or I just say, no, I don't do it because yeah. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. So it, it, feel, it feels like it's... it's cheap advertising for them. And like it's cheap from advertising. Their perspective, well, yeah. from their perspective in the old days, you'd kind of have to pay, we're talking probably like thousands, right? You know, to kind of book yes. the media space to produce like whatever the medium is like if it's a radio ad or a print ad or even if it's yes. sort of like digital advertising like you've got to create like a banner ad those horrible banner ads that yeah. you get served up yeah. on your desktop or your phone yeah that that in itself that exercise in itself costs like you know it's even at its cheapest it's still going to be like north of maybe a couple of grand yeah. grand or two yeah but to kind of reach out to somebody like you and then offer you a free thing and then get you to talk about it for what what's going to be longer than 30 seconds which is a standard yeah. radio spot it costs nothing like they that all that costs is is them opening their mouths then giving you free product and if like exactly. yeah, I know you sort of said ages ago that somebody was offering you something but you know they were probably going to pay you like 180 dollars yeah like if you if you look at the comparison against traditional advertising, it's so cheap. That's so cheap. Yeah. So it's nothing for them to kind of ask, you know, like every YouTuber on the planet to kind of, you know, review their stuff. Well, look at all the YouTubers that are getting, you know, I don't know whether they get to keep those Sony cameras, but all the, you know, as soon as something new comes out, they get the new phone yeah. or the new camera. I'm sure some of the big ones do get to keep them. I'm sure they're actually free. Yeah, well, they're a gift. But again, because if you think about it, like, the product to us, like a Sony camera might cost like 1200 Australian dollars, but for them to manufacture it and give it away, it's probably costing them like, yeah, you exactly. Know, a third, 200 bucks. Like what do they care? Um, so anyone that's looking at starting YouTube or whatever, it's not about how many subscribers. If you only have a few thousand subscribers and you want that advertising thing, people will approach you. If you, if you're targeted, you have to be really targeted, you know what I mean? Um, but they yep. will approach you. Yep. My recommendation, Steve, I'm going to keep on to the watch theme. It's not going to be a Porsche recommendation. Yeah. It's going to be a watch thing. And it's something I've spoken about before and someone asked you me about it again. Rolex? <laughs> someone asked me about it again the other day, um, what my case was that I use, what travel case. Um, yep. And it's not just a travel case. And I know it, it's called a travel case, but it's a Phase de Lune um, travel yep. case, which is from Mr. Chrono. And Mr. Chrono is a website. It's just mrchrono.com. They have a store in Paris and they have a store in Singapore. I buy from the Paris store because I usually buy it when I'm in London. Um, they ship worldwide. I think if you're in Australia, maybe the Singapore one's easier. Yep. But it's Phase de Lune is a it's leather. Um, it, it's you know it just how do I explain it? It's like a roll. It's not a roll. It's like hard sides and it, and it closes up, but it keeps your watch yep. really secure. It has the little um, roll inside, which just has the two press studs, four press studs that it clips into. I find it yep. really easy. I don't like the ones where all the watches go on a roll and they all sort of knock against each other. Um, yep. These ones are separate compartments. Like I've got the two one and I've got the single one. The two one has the divider in the center. Um, I did a review ages ago on my YouTube channel where there was uh, someone gave me a watch roll um, and it was okay for the yep. money, but there was a bit of an issue with the weight of it and it was wood inside and how the watches mm -hmm. sort of sat together. Phase Delude, in my mind, 
it's just the perfect perfect watch roll, and they're expensive. Okay, they're not cheap. They are yeah. expensive. It's you know, I think the large one is people are going to die when I say this. I think it's about three hundred and seventy. I'm about yeah, to buy another cute. one, three hundred seventy euro, maybe <laughs> something like Bloody that. Bloody hell, euro or two hundred and eighty, <laughs> maybe three hundred and twenty euro shipped, something like that. It's quite. It's not cheap. It's yeah, not cheap. Um, but I have bought a couple of them. I bought my wife one as well, so she has one as well. Um, but I believe mm-hmm. Patek. I think it's Patek or AP. I think it's Patek actually. They use it as their their case. It's um branded Patek, but it's made by Face Um Okay. But they're good. That's what I would recommend if you're into watches and you want a really nice case. Um, that's what I would get. That's my recommendation. Um, Steve, Apple yep. ratings and reviews just quickly. Um, you know, I like uh-huh. to read these out. People go to the uh, effort of writing a review and, and doing this on Apple, which is annoying. And it really does help us to get up the podcast charts. Um, so I'm going to read this one out. Just one this week, a relaxing and entertaining podcast for Porsche enthusiasts. Uh, I started listening to this a few weeks ago. wanted to listen to a podcast specifically about Porsche. Sure enough, found this and was very pleased. The two hosts are relaxing to listen to. Have a bit of relaxing. cheek to them. Maybe have a bit of che- have a relaxing. bit of cheek to them. Of course, Steve. That's Steve. You're talking about Steve. Have a bit of cheek, and talk about everything Porsche. The owner stories are cool to hear. Uh, to as a person who would like to own a Porsche one day, it's best to hear others' experience working towards theirs. Great podcast. So that's Leon Pet uh, from the US. Thank you so much, uh, Leon. Much appreciated for um, leaving that review. And I hope you get your Porsche very, very soon. Okay, so um, I'm just going to tell the listener, Steve, um, you sent yep. me a video um, of that yep. very cool video where you mount the camera. Um, I'm very impressed with that camera, actually. You mount the camera on your roll cage, right? But you went for a drive with Marco, your freedom drive well, I'll with just Marco. Explain that. I'll explain that. That's just um, like a MagSafe moment mount that's uh, attached to the roll cage and it's magnetic. So it uses MagSafe again. And I literally turn around, I grab my phone, I'm doing it moment like this. I turn around and I go like that and it magnetically kind of clamps to the cage and that's it. And then I hit record. So that's filmed with your iPhone, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your iPhone is which one? 12. Pro Max, so it's 4K. Okay, anyone that doesn't have an iPhone, they should buy yeah. one now. Because honestly, Steve's car is not the quietest thing inside. It's noisy. It, it is yeah. noisy. There is vibration. This phone footage that you shot, um, so yeah. Steve had it on his roll cage. Marco's in front in his beautiful yellow 996 Turbo. You can hear mm-hmm. the turbo. Even for, It even picks up the, the sound of the turbo of Marco's car in front. Um, you can yeah. still hear Steve's car. You can hear Marco's car. It somehow isolates the sound. Um, yeah, it no, doesn't vibrate. Cool, it? it doesn't vibrate, Steve. There's no v- vibration. The f- yeah. It's perfectly still. It's mainly always in focus. Like you can see it. Like obviously it focuses more on your screen than Marco's car. It's a little bit soft on yep. Marco compared yep. to your um, dash. Yeah. But and that's just using the iPhone camera. That's not even opening Filmic Pro. Like. Just yes. to be clear too, like I only do that for fun. It's not like that's going to wind up on YouTube or anything like that because I'm ain't. i not like a YouTuber. I, that was just more um, so Marco can kind of see what his car looks like from behind and record the sound. So that's that's me driving normally, not doing anything out of the ordinary to kind of set it up. Like no gear, no microphones, no nothing with the mm. window still mm. um, a little bit down so I can enjoy the sound of my own car and everything. And I'm so surprised at how accurate the sound is yeah, yeah. like um you know there's not like it's kind of a little bit sort of messy with a bit of wind noise here and there but generally like that bit it's that pretty I good sort of pointed out to you where you can hear 
Marco flooring it and yeah. you can hear his turbo spooling up and then you see like the puff of exhaust soot coming yeah, out. Yeah, I know the exhaust soot came out. Tail puff. I know I yeah. saw that. That's when that's when I knew that pretty was cool, the sound. It? it was pretty cool. And you can hear your car, yeah. you can hear his car. It's yep. that mount is a very good mount, you know. Yeah. It, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. worked really well and you know it's, it's just for fun. You know, if you have a car and you used GoPros before and you tried to film yourself, GoPros are okay, but GoPros are a real pain in the ass to use. I still find that they never sync with your phone properly. They're supposed to just work flawlessly with the Wi-Fi. They never yeah. do. You know what I mean? And then you've got to have yeah. them set up properly. If they're not set up properly, you always get weird focusing. Um, that's why I always tended to use the Hero, the little tiny one that I've got, the Hero, which I used to always yeah. use in um, yeah. on my windscreen. Because I found that yeah. one the most easiest to use. I never used my phone. I never hooked it up with my phone. I just put it on the screen, put it around yeah. about the right position and just started talking and just said, go but for you, a start. you're sort of semi-praying when you do that, aren't you? Because you can't really see, like you've got to hook it up to see like a live view of what you kind of, how it's framed up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? I probably lie. I probably do. I probably do try to frame it up a little bit, but I've got, I always know around about the spot I've had it before. So I kind of just put it in the same okay. spot. Um, yep. But that one always worked really well. Then I bought a new GoPro, which has got the, that, that little hero, I can't figure what it's called. What is it? The tiny little square cube thing. I'm not but that had voice it. activation when my old one, I had a really old GoPro, which didn't. Oh, okay. So then I just say, stop recording, start recording. And it was, it's easy when you're driving and you can just do that. Um, yep. And the sound was pretty good off, off the mic, off the, off the, uh, off the GoPro. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, look, it was, it was just for fun. And like I bought um, other kind of little kind of gadgets. I think it's just sort of more like for when probably like even the three of us, you, me and Marco, wind up kind of going for a hoon and like if we just kind of had really basic phone footage i'd just be kind of curious to sort of see like the different views because i well you know what it's like when you actually drive your own car you never hear what it's like on the outside yeah and you never really get to see what it's like on the road um now when i've kind of gone for a drive with my mate who's got almost like the identical white 997.1 GT3, <laughs> which is weird. It's like, oh, okay, is that what it looks like? Hey, it looks pretty good from behind, and it sounds good and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's just for fun. So yeah, it was good. I mean, Marco's car looks really cool. Um, yeah, your does. car does good. look whiter in the in the photos that Marco posted on Instagram too. I thought it looked whiter. Um, maybe it's just mind Might over be, matter. Yeah. So what we did is um, we hadn't been out like, you know, we've been in lockdown for whatever it is, four months, um, not really gone for a drive. So we decided finally to kind of uh, head down to the national park on Saturday morning. Um, weren't super early, not super late, but, and it was, it was really good. Like it's nice to get out and all of that sort of stuff, but man, there's so many cyclists on the road. Um to the point where we did one trip down, you know, towards, we didn't go all the way to the um, Seacliff Bridge thing. We sort of stopped short because I think we got stuck behind a caravan thing and then sort of thought, oh, stuff it, let's turn around and go back. And on the way, on the way back, when Marco led instead, we just got trapped with like tons of cyclists. Um, and I know probably... Yeah, I noticed you passed a few. Well, I know that um, you probably have lots of cycling enthusiasts um, on your channel, but bloody hell, I, it's like they've got a death wish. Like we got to a point where, you know, like we were stuck in like rows of kind of cyclists and I was being literally overtaken by like idiots on bikes, which I kind of go, is that not really dangerous? Because you kind of realize that in about a minute, I'm about to kind of re-overtake you. And pretty much every time I try to overtake you, if something kind of were to go wrong, like I'm very careful, 
But if something were to go wrong, like a, there's an oncoming car or something like that, you're absolute toast, like on a one lane road, yeah. road either way. I don't know. Like I, I get, I get that there's, it's a hobby and it's a passion and everything, but I actually just sometimes don't get why cyclists would take that risk. It seems like a general thing, though. When I talk to people in owner stories, they say it's a good road, but mm. you know, there's a lot of cyclists. You know what I mean? So obviously, you know, being careful. You know, got to be take care with everyone on the road. It's it's difficult yeah, to drive properly. Respect, Everybody's got yeah. the right. Yeah, um, but I the find it. The road. I get but that. Every when I drive up to the Central Coast from Sydney, um, people yep. in Sydney know where that is. When I go to my family's house, and it's only an hour and a half away from Sydney, yep. always that bit through um, after Chatswood into Gordon Taramara there, yep. Um, yep. and because I always leave really early on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning, Sunday morning usually, and there's packs yep. of the cyclists. I yep. don't understand the road rules. I don't understand what their rules are because. They're in. They take up the whole one lane, the left, yes, the left lane, yes. and then that lane disappears, and then they just come into your lane. They don't stop because they can't stop because they're moving. They have got momentum, yeah. and then they come yeah. into your lane. But like, yeah. there's no real warning that they're coming into your lane. You know what I mean? Like, you know how those lanes disappear near Chatswood there, yeah, and they yeah, just yeah. they go yeah. into one. It's like, yeah. oh my god, they're all in front of me. Then you know, like, and then you got to like slow yeah. way back, and then there's a car yeah. next to you, and it's like, I don't know. It's it's. It always comes, it's very dangerous. It always seems very, very dangerous to me. It feels dangerous for them. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not looking, I'm not a cyclist. I'm not I'm not kind of slamming them, but I just want no, no, to go like on, at, at 6.30 on a Saturday morning, um, like obviously everybody's kind of got pent up, like wants to kind of just get out and enjoy a bit of, you know, whatever their passion is. But um I was saying to Marcos, like, I think maybe we either have to kind of go a decent amount earlier even, or we've just got to, like, we, we both kind of run our own businesses sort of thing, so we can probably maybe try to coordinate and sneak out on a weekday instead. But, but you, I think you guys went out late, territory. though. I saw the time on your on your screen. It was 8.30 or something. That's quite late. No, that's the trip. That's the, that was the trip back. You oh, know, like we've okay. kind of done one run. Oh, right. I there. thought, wow, you're driving late. Normally you go down like four in the morning or something, five in the morning. Yeah. So look, you know, it, it was fun, but um, slightly disappointing, like really good to get out, really good to kind of blow the cobwebs out of the car, remember how it sounds. Yeah. You know, as, as we've said a million times over, there's something about driving in convoy that's just so much yeah, more fun than driving nice. by yourself. It's nice. Um, so all of that's really cool. Like Marco's car is um, a fun car to kind of chase. You can tell, I can kind of tell like that little clip that I sort of shared with you when he's on it and he's um, he's on boost, like the car's super quick. Um, so it's kind of fun trying to work out um, when you need to kind of go to kind of keep up with him. So really, really cool to kind of get out, but uh, to a degree it's made me go, oh man, I now want to go out on a weekday when there's nobody, like when normal people are working and we can kind of have the roads maybe a little bit more to ourselves. So, yeah, um, it was really good to get out, but um, just like made both of us kind of go, oh, man, like can't wait to kind of go and do party again or go down to Kangaroo Valley or just sort of, you know, do something. Kind like of you said, it's been long so long, before. right? It's been so long. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, it's been ages for me. It's like I don't, I don't even yeah, know if I can drive manual anymore. That's why I keep thinking maybe I, I'm going to have to get a PDK, I think. I don't think I can drive <laughs> manual. 
Huh? There's a nice white PDK GTS for sale at Porsche Sydney. I noticed that the other day. I was looking at it thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. It's got a lift kit as well. It's got a Tiptronic, mate. It's got a lift kit. We've we've given Tiptronic such a good rap of the last couple of episodes. Just get a Tiptronic. Well, Devin reckoned that there wasn't, you know. Sportomatic? Wasn't right. Wasn't right. I don't know what the Sportomatic is. I still don't understand that. Anyway, let's not get into transmission. Let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, I just want to say that the cars for sale this week, Steve, um, you sent me mm-hmm. two GT3s. Uh, mm-hmm. Two? Yeah, you sent me two GT3s. Someone else, uh, James at Porsche yeah. Platts sent it to me as well. The one with the white roll bar and the white um, ah, yes. tunnel yeah. that's for sale in Sydney. Yeah. I really yeah. don't like the white roll bar and the white tunnel. I think I think it's I think yours is much nicer with carbon and black. I don't like that white on white thing. It looks a bit weird I to me. I wouldn't do it, but I don't, I'd, I'm still kind of quite partial to a body coloured um, centre console tunnel thing. Mm. Um, I quite like the look of it. But. I like your carbon better. I think your carbon looks better. Um, yeah. Maybe it has to be in the. Maybe it's a different colour. I don't know, but I think the carbon looks yeah. much better on yours than a plain white one. I mean, I think in my car maybe the silver's okay. Um, but I think yep. in your car, the carbon just works really well. There's also uh, that other nine uh, uh, GT3 that you saw on some site in Melbourne. I've never seen that site before. Have you noticed all these auction car sites turning up in Australia now? All these sites seem yeah. to be popping up all over the yeah. place. I don't yeah. know what these – and other people who have – I notice other people who have podcasts are also selling cars as now now as well, like people advertising cars. It's all like going a yeah. bit crazy. Um, yep. There was a 912 as well that um, – wow, quite a few people sent me, and I thank you for everyone that sent it to me. It's quite amazing mm-hmm. how many people still know that I'm hunkering over a 912 and they send me that red mm-hmm. one that I sent you, Steve, in Queensland. Yep. It's gone already, yep. sold already. Just shows you the state of the market. It's on hold. Um, it lasted cheap, two though, it? it lasted two days. And for the listeners, it was sixty five thousand Australian dollars, I think. Around about sixty five thousand Australian dollars. So I have no idea about the nine twelve market. Only whatever cheap. you sort of send me that's and cheap. talk about. But that's, that's cheap, right? Yeah, that's cheap. Like, I mean enormously cheap. Not enormously cheap. No, it's about right. It's about right. Oh, it's okay. about the price that you'd get one from the US in a similar condition. There's one. Um, oh, okay. There's one that you I've been talking about. One twenty sort of thing. So I just kind of better like, ones. Better stretching. ones. That's right. landed though. That's landed. That's the better ones. The more expensive ones. Um, right. That's when you're getting one at about sixty thousand US. You can. Yep. There are there are some out there still for forty forty five thousand US. It's probably cheaper ones too, but I'm you know depends on what level you want it to be at. Um, yep. But there's one in uh, and Benjamin. We'll get on to Benjamin because he he gave a question about the detailing thing, which I want to get onto. Um, yeah, sure. There's someone in there's a place, someone in North Carolina that's got one for sale. I saw it on Hemmings website yesterday last yep. night. It's a white one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like forty four thousand US um, negotiable. I shouldn't say right. this because other people are looking for it. I'll probably buy it and I can't, I'll miss out like I always do. Um, but there's a really good green one for sale in UK with yellow mm-hmm. headlamps, fully done by Revival 912, like mm-hmm. fully restored, Steve, really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And that's for basically 60,000 pounds. So that's expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive. Everything's expensive. But everything's expensive, but, you know. And it's not just Porsches, it's everything. So. Yeah, true, true. Hey, houses, for example. Um, let's get on mm-hmm. to, let's not get into values. Let's get into the detailing thing. Because last week we touched on the detailing, the Porsche detailing thing. And, you know, in my head at the moment, I'm thinking yep. a lot about maintenance. I'm thinking a lot about detailing of the 997. Um, I'm thinking yep. how I, you know, my arms are still aching and I don't know how I'm going to wash my car because I'm still in pain. Um, and I'm thinking about all these things. And during the week, as you know, I contacted... Um, 
and I'll mention his name, I'm not going to get into it too much, but I contacted yep. um, Pierre at Atlas and I got a quote yep. for the to fix the damage. Yep. Um, I think it's Atlas Body, isn't it? I don't even know the full name of yes. Pierre's company. Atlas, Atlas Body, Body in Artaman in yep. Sydney. Um, yep. So I contacted Pierre. He's really friendly, really helpful. Um, we've never met, not yet. Yep. He knew of the podcast, which is great. And he's got a GT three. Yeah, he's got a GT three. I saw it on his Instagram actually. He's got a GT three RS, cool. right? It's yeah, it's cool. very very cool. Um, so he gave me a quote for the damage. Some of you guys will remember the car. My car was damaged. Someone had either intentionally or unintentionally damaged the front bumper um, while yep. it was in storage. Um, a little bit of damage, like a very small amount of damage, is quite surprising. And I'm not going to say how much it costs to fix, but it's it's quite yep. surprising. Steve knows it's quite surprising how dear it could be, how expensive it is. Um, and that's yep. no reflection on um, Atlas. It's just the price it costs because the price of the part is very expensive. Yep. Um, so I will be getting that done when I get back to Sydney. That's one thing I'm doing. I haven't decided mm -hmm. whether to go through insurance or not. I probably won't go through insurance. I'll probably just pay for it because yep. um, Steve's given me the the scare thing about the premium going up crazy and I don't want my premium to go up because I've just increased uh, the value of my car and it's going up anyway, Steve. Yeah, it's just the point that I made, which I often make to mates, is um, with insurance, like you, what you don't kind of think is that if you make a claim, you obviously have to pay your excess, whatever that is. I bump my excess up right up because I'd rather pay less on my premium, as an example. But I think one sort of thing that maybe people don't think about is that even if you have protection on your no claim bonus, um, which yep. means that like if you have a stack like and you've got 60% no claim bonus, you'll still have 60% next year, which means your premium, uh, that, that part of your premium doesn't change. You've still actually had an accident and you've made a claim and that number therefore means that the premium changes for years to come because they ask you that question if you switch. Yep. Um, companies like have you have you had an at fault claim and yes the, the answer to that is yes but you can never actually I've asked like I've, I've I've always kind of gone oh okay so like if I make this claim like can you give me a rough idea of how much my premium might go up for the next couple of years nobody can ever answer that question no so, they'll never tell you yeah they'll never tell you um anyway steve maintenance so i'm thinking about maintenance yep. like i said i'm going to get the front yep, yep. uh my wife said probably just leave the front it's not going to be that bad I'm, i have to get it done i have to get it done because it's <laughs> going to bother me um so i'm going to get that done um as you know the car's booked in an order house so whatever they have yep. to do we went through that last week but thinking about maintenance and also um from you talking about your detailing because you've been doing that full-on paint correction and ceramic coat on your car I think We're we maybe yeah, and you're still going, and I think we touched on it really quickly. And a lot of people are really interested in this, and I know we've left it to the end of the podcast again, but a lot of people are interested. And um, Benjamin, who's been on um, Owner Stories before, number forty-eight. Yep. I wrote down Benjamin's number. Um, Owner yep. Stories number forty-eight. So if you haven't seen that, go and uh, listen to Benjamin's story. He's got the nine nine three Carrera two, and the O yep. three. Um, I think it is Boxster S. Yep. Uh, at Mod Classic Cars, Benjamin asked me the questions about uh, about your paint correction. I'm going to read it out, actually. Um, yeah, because um, I lost the thing. Tell me again what his specific Yeah, he was. said, I, I, loved, I love Steve's update on paint correction. I hope you don't mind me reading this out, Benjamin. I'd be interested to know what products he ended up pur purchasing, orbital machine, creams, and coating, and if he recommends them. He yep. says, I tried an Adam ceramic on my truck. He's got a truck as well. And ended yep. up removing it due to high spots that I didn't like. Yep. I'm experimenting with 
uh, paintless dent removal now, the tools to do those repairs have come down quite a lot. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure about that. Yeah, that stuff. Who's was he that? Just, he just pulled my uncle. He really? Just, he's had, yeah, he, he bought some of the, uh, the ding removal sort of things a little while ago because he was watching a guy doing it. So he, he's just like that. He bought it and then um, he's, got two, he's got two double, 2002 TIIs yeah. and he did it on the silver one and he said he pulled the paint on it. Oh, what? <laughs> See, that's what I yeah. mean. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. You've got to be really careful. Let's get on to the first part of Benjamin's question, though, because I know a lot of people want to know this, and we didn't go through any of the products you use, I don't think, Steve. We didn't even talk about I'll try the products. to be quick. because No, you don't have to be quick, but I think you should talk. Just tell the people, just tell everyone the products. If anyone wants to know more, just uh, send Steve a DM or send me a DM, and I'll, I'll yep. write it down for you. But yep. I think it's good. Uh, so, you know, Benjamin wants to know what products you ended up using, um, the machine, yep. the creams, and the coating. Uh, and would you use them again, okay. I guess? Yep. So starting from the beginning, I bought like a Flex PXE80, the little machine. It's the little cordless thing, actually. Um, I I kind of got it because I was never intending to do the entire car. I, was, I wasn't sure how, lockdown, how long lockdown was going to go. And I was intending on just getting doing like the harder parts of the car, like the bumper and stuff, which means that you only need like a smaller pad. So it's only like a three and a half inch pad. And what I was intending to do was just get that bit sorted and then go see my uncle and borrow his proper kind of Rupert's machine, which is more like a six or seven inch pad. Um, lockdown went forever. So I wound up just doing the entire car with this tiny little machine, um, but really good. So the machine itself is great. Um, the battery kind of goes, it comes with two rechargeable batteries. So you you put one in, you work on the car, then you've got the other one charging and then you never run out of battery. You just kind of quick, keep swapping them over. Enough power. Um, when you kind of watch all the YouTube videos, you can swap between a three and a one inch pad comes standard, but I bought like an attachment to kind of fit a two inch pad. Right. And that just means that um, you think about how curvy you, like your car is, like particularly yes. the bumpers and the back wheel arches and stuff. You can't really use like a big pad in some of those spots anyway. So you actually need to use a small machine, which is again, why I got it. Okay. So that that's the starting point. The, the machine itself. Um, I was. Can I ask a question? What's yeah. the benefit then is, is the benefit of using a bigger pad is just for the larger areas to get it done quicker. Is that it? So yeah, there's no other flat. difference between. Uh, I'm assuming I'd, I'd say if you kind of had like Larry from Ammo on or like that Todd from esoteric, um, right. They'd probably tell you that the torque of the machine and um, you know how powerful it is actually counts as well. But okay. of the bits that I've read, like in terms of this little machine, like a flex, flex is made in Germany, um, which kind of gave me a bit of comfort as well. Yes. Um, the two good machines I believe are Flex and Rupes. Rupes is Italian, um, so I wouldn't hesitate with that. I got, I found a good deal on it and all that sort of stuff. So um, expensive. Uh, what was it? I think it was about six. Bit over six hundred bucks. Six hundred dollars. Wow. Um, yeah. So like, look, as I said to you last week or whatever, um, Aussie dollars. You can, you can go and buy like other machines for about three, three fifty that I think are decent. But you know, um, you okay. Know, don't do things by halves. So that's a machine. You got to then buy like a shitload of pads as well. Like you'd be quite surprised as to how many kind of pads that you actually kind of require. Um, and I think when you're a newbie too, um, 
you, you basically kind of have this hesitation because there's different grades of pads and there's different materials. Like there's foam, microfiber and wool, wool being the most aggressive, foam being the one that you probably kind of start with because you're sitting there thinking that you don't really want to um, take off too much clear on your yes. clear coat on your paint. Yep. Um, so all in all, look, I used Lake Country foam pads and Buff and Shine microfiber pads. I started with the foam pads, realized that it wasn't cutting enough. And, you know, I was just standing there trying to trying to take scratches out and it wasn't doing anything. So I shifted to a microfiber pad and all of a sudden it worked much, much okay. better. So, How did you um, find out about this Lake Country brand? Is that one of the well-known brands, is it? It's just one of the well-known brands. Like I think there's only like, you know, you can buy Rupert's pads, Lake Country, I think, is an American brand, and there's one other I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so, so what are the pads called, Steve? They're microfiber pads, are they? I so I used a combination of uh, microfiber to kind of do the first step, um, which does most of the cutting with um, Sonax a Sonax compound, which is another German company, and then so you do that to get most of the scratches out, and then you do what is called sort of like a finishing step which is like using a foam, a finer foam pad and finer. It's kind of more like a jeweling okay. polish, which doesn't cut much. So um, when, sorry, when do you use the clay? Yep, the, you, you use the clay in the beginning? You clay right at the beginning. So you clay at the beginning and then you start using yep. the pads. So depending yep. on the area of the car, you use a different size pad depending on where it is. Yep. So, yep. and the, and the Sonax is a polish, is it? Yes, it's a German polish brand. Um, so it's the liquids that you apply to the pad. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's obviously like the literal kind of polish and it's kind of like a mixture of abrasives and oils and stuff like that. And, right. Um, it, part of the stuff that you kind of have to figure out um, is the combination of pad and polish that works against the type of paint that you're working on. So there's... Okay. There's those three things plus your technique, like how fast are you kind of moving your hands across the kind of body of the car and stuff like that. There's right. the combination of those four different things is something that you just need to kind of work out for yourself as to um, whether or not that's kind of doing, like taking the um, taking the scratches out. Like the last step in all of this, when, when, when you're using like a really fine foam pad and just um, some... Uh, polish like the finishing polish yep all that's doing is making your car shiny it's not actually taking anything off anymore so that that bit's really easy it's the scary bit is sort of like the abrasive bit when you're kind of trying to cut scratches out of your Clico. right and last week you said you bought some cheap lights from aldi or something or costco right aldi and costco yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um look when you read up about it um the lights are actually really, really important. Like, um, I won't get into it too much, but like, for example, my uncle doesn't have a garage, even though he's like a mad car guy. He's got like a carport um, down the side of his house. For 20 cars. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing about that, like if you think about him working away, like doing um, detailing his car, is that that means that um, he's got partial sort of sunlight, daylight. Yeah. But then he's also kind of got lights. And I believe... Well, it makes sense. If you think about it, the lights are really, really important because if you can't see the surface scratches on your car and stuff like that, then you actually have no idea what you're trying to take out or whatever. Yes. So it can get really dear. Like um, there's a couple of car specific brands, but like those lights were like five or $600, which is mental. Um, 
I just got something like one thing was at Aldi for like 30 bucks and right. um, it's really, really good. Like I'll lend it to you when you kind of, if and when you want to kind of get to it. But like if you're in an enclosed space, like a unit block car park or your own garage, um, you need to kind of set the lights up so you can um, see what you're kind of working on. And my car is white. So it's actually even harder to kind of get that bit right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you definitely sort of need lights and you definitely need the lights to see the scratches. I know you weren't sort of super serious when you sort of said, well, I know like when you're kind of washing your car, you said you use your iPhone light. Um, I use do. that as an example. Yeah, yeah That's not strong enough. Like the After I polish, I your, use that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like you won't be able to see like the marring on your your surface well enough with an iPhone light. So if, if you have your 911 and you've been waxing it for years, you've got to get rid of all the old yep. wax, right? So that's what the yep. clay does. It gets rid of all the wax. So you've done the, all the... Uh, you do a... You do a proper decontamination wash, like right. um, you with, can use dish laundry detergent. Liquid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or you can buy a specific thing. Then you need to use a, a iron removal sort of spray thing. Oh, really? Gets the thing that's like on your wheels, you know, that yeah, turns purple. Yeah. So which one do you use? A, a Gion one. Gion. I just used a Gion one. Yeah. Gion, and Gion, whatever it's called. When did you use the paint depth gauge? Because I noticed you had that on your list. When did you use that? I Beginning? did that. I think I talked about it. At like a couple of podcasts ago, I did it at the beginning because I was nervous about kind of cutting too much. And I just read up about it. Like, it's definitely not like, it's not a necessity. Like some, like my uncle, like he's done like, you know, six of his cars and they're all expensive and he never bothered with it. Um, he just kind of went hell for leather kind of thing. But being a bit more conservative, I just went, uh, after reading up about it, you can basically just work out the factory depth of your car right as i sort of said you're not you're not trying to work out how much you're taking off when you actually start doing the job right you're just trying to work out where possibly is the paint thinner on your car so where do you need to be more careful so the product you recommended this week that kamikaze so you you had yes. two products so what are the two different products that you use because uh, i know okay. um benjamin asked about the coating that you use so you use yeah, kamikaze he used adams which is got, a well-known American you know that brand. one but you've got yeah. two products. What are they? Why have you got two products? Okay, so that's the coating. So, the this is like um, the first step when you kind of work on your car in this world is you're doing the paint correction, which I said before is taking off all the scratches and you're getting it, you know, perfect. But there's nothing on top protecting it. Like you've taken all the wax off in your old school world, so your your paint is now like as scratch free as you can possibly kind of get it. Then you kind of have the choice of you can go back to like old school waxes and polymer sealants, which are either paste or spray, or right. the new world is ceramic coating, which is, right. you know, like where you're wearing a mask and you're doing all this kind of crazy stuff. I I opted for ceramic coating um, because it's a bit more, um, it's not permanent, but it's obviously harder wearing. How long does it last, um, Steve? Um, the one that I got, I think is between two and three years. Like when okay. you read up about it, people start to get really cynical about anything that lasts longer than that. Like, you know, any, anybody apparently that claims lifetime or five to seven years is probably kind of kidding themselves apparently. But um, so. can I ask a silly question then? When you have to put it, the coat on again, do you have to go through the whole paint correction process again? You have to take the old no. layer off or well, you just go straight over the top? So because, again, that's the distinction between it. So like if, I, if I've managed to get all the scratches out of my car and then I've coated it, if I manage to kind of keep it really well and I don't re-scratch it, 
then no, you just have to recoat it. You know, like if, if you're really careful and you don't kind of put lots and lots of surface scratches because you're not kind of rubbing a microfiber cloth over it all the time and you're kind yep. of putting scratches in there, then exactly what you just sort of, uh, to answer your question, no, like you just recoat it again. Okay. Um, it's the contact of the, the top surface that's right. putting the scratches in. Right. Um, so no, you don't have to kind of go back and re-paint correct it. Like in an ideal world, um, you, pr- you paint correct your car once, you might have to kind of do like a little buff with like the final step of polish kind of thing, but you're not going back and chasing deep scratches anymore because once okay. once they're out, you're trying to avoid kind of going back there. So even if you paid someone to do this, you don't want to do it yourself. It's a lot of work. You know, you've been doing it for months now over lockdown, right? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but No, if you don't want to do it yourself, because I know you said your uncle paid someone to do it. You pay someone to do it. Best if they time, do it yeah. well... Yeah. Yep. All you really need to do is take it in every couple of years and get the ceramic coat redone. You can do Or you could do yep. that yourself because that part is probably yes. the easiest part, right? Yeah, so, the paint correction is the hard bit. The paint yeah. correction is the really hard bit. Um, the coating itself is a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, so I'll explain. So like my recommend, recommendation was that Kamikaze Miyabi thing. It's like a yep. Japanese brand. It's really interesting, actually. I found that... Um, Seems like the Koreans and the Japanese companies are the sort of ones that innovated in the category, um, which I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting that mm. Koreans seem to be like just from a everything point of view, like Samsung and right. Hyundai, and like you know back in the old days, nobody ever sort of took Korean sort of products seriously, and now all of a sudden they're leaders in everything. I tell you what, Hyundai's are getting really good. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that new electric car that's coming out? Is it a Hyundai or a Kia? Yeah, I noticed it. Ionic Five. I think. I'll tell you what, it yeah. looks pretty good. And I'm telling you, this yeah. that SUV. And I know there's probably people listening in the US who people have got that SUV. But that Palisade Hyundai, I was impressed with inside. I thought it was actually quite a nice car. You know what I mean? It yeah, surprised yeah, yeah. me. Yep. Yeah. And oh, I've been in, in some. Day, I used it's to better work than on an MG. I tell you that it's better than that MG. Much better. Yeah, like 20 years ago, I worked on, as you know, that the Sony um, account for yes. advertising, like for years and years and years and back in those days it's like you wouldn't touch an lg or samsung yeah. television yeah but they're now leaders in the category yeah. um so like i don't know the koreans are obviously very innovative and they must i remember somebody quoted to me that um samsung had the highest number of proportion of employees with mbas like this is probably really? 10 years ago or something wow. so yeah um anyway so how expensive anyway, so is the kamikaze the kamikaze miyabi ceramic coating you put that on and then there's a kamikaze overcoat so you got to buy both you so, have to have both of them yeah no you don't have to get both what it is is that the first one the miyabi thing is like the coating itself so yes. once you've done your paint correction that's where you get your little um suede microfiber cloth out you've got a mask on you're kind of you're wiping it on and uh, you're literally just wiping it on. So you're trying to get like a nice, even thin layer on your car. And then you've got to um, buff it off again, just with a microfiber towel. Oh, okay. But this is where you've got to get it right. Because what um, Benjamin referred to about high spots. Yes. Like if you wipe something on, but you miss it, and then you let it cure and dry, it goes hard like it's glass. So oh. then you're kind of stuck with it. And if you don't catch it quick enough, then you're back to having to machine polish it out or... <sighs> Okay. There's all these kind of tricks to trying to get it out. So you've got to be really careful. At so that when, point in time. when Benjamin said, I tried Adam ceramic on the truck and end up removing it due to the high spots, that was basically yes. because, sorry, Benjamin, but you didn't apply it properly. You didn't take it off properly. Oh, no. Like 
I, again, look, I'm, not, I'm talking it's like temperature. I'm an expert, but I'm not. Um, there's many factors in that. Like, um, so this is the difference between ceramic coatings. Like some of them will be like, once you kind of wipe it on, once you apply it, you've got to take it off straight away. Why I actually partially picked this kamikaze is that I read so much about it that sort of said, look, you've kind of, you can, you can do like an entire panel or you can do two entire panels and then go back to the first one and then start wiping off then. So you've got oh, time. Really? It's not kind of, oh, that's it's good. not flash curing. Oh, that's good. Um, and that's why I got it because like, sorry, my daughter's now going off. Um, so uh, that's one of the reasons why I picked it because my uncle who had been using CarPro quartz, I think. Right. It sort of said that um, it was a little bit, curly in terms of like the flash time on it oh, okay um so that's one of the biggest reasons why i got kamikaze because it was like look i've never done this before the last thing i want to do is kind of go and apply it realize that i've kind of fucked it up and then yeah. need to kind of machine it all off and stuff like that so i'd yeah. rather get something that is relatively easy to use for a novice so it gives me more ability to kind of make mistakes okay um and that's actually one of the biggest reasons why i used it apart from the fact that it's also supposed to give you a really good quality finish cool cool and what's the windscreen stuff because you told me you sent me a message you sent the, put that in the notes the windscreen so you did a coating uh, on sorry, your windscreen I'll just as well one last thing yeah sure the kamikaze thing was like you apply the ceramic coating you've got to do two coats um most most coatings you've got to do two coats there's very few that are one but uh, I'd be tempted to try something that only requires one, like if it's just as effective, because um, as I sort of said, I did it in what I thought was going to be like a five hour exercise, but it was the whole day. So okay. two coatings, like, and you need to kind of do it like an hour or two after the other. So that that's one thing to kind of think about depending on how much time you've got to do it. And then once you've done it, like there's this new thing where, there's tons of like topper sprays. So once you kind of put a ceramic coating on your car, you're not supposed to start using like, you know, all the other kind of um, wax sprays and all that kind of shit. Like right. you're supposed to avoid all of that stuff because, you know, you paid all this money to kind of put this sort of high tech ceramic coating on your car. Yeah. So as a consequence, um, you've got to throw out all of your old kind of wax sprays and all that sort of stuff. And this kamikaze overcoat is like a spray topper that you is designed to work over the top of the ceramic coat coating. Oh, so, so you use that kind of when you wash your car and you can just use that every now and again, or you have to use it every now and again, every like now and it's again, really expensive. It's like, it's a, it's like $90 for, I think about 180 mil or 200 wow. mil or something. So, and the ceramic coating is how much roundabout Australian dollars? Uh, I got a 20% discount. I can't remember. It was about, I think it was about, 200 bucks for like okay. a bottle which i probably used mm. about half of it i could probably do okay. two cars with it that's about right that's yeah. about right yeah. all right yeah. uh and what about the windscreen stuff before we go um there's one other thing i want to talk about but the windscreen stuff what about what was that all yeah about? windscreen Gion. stuff so i you know remember you were talking about wanting to get your windscreen replaced as well um, yeah i have to do that my windscreen wasn't in the best nick as well you know like because i've kind of spent so long just working on my car I sort of thought oh stuff but maybe I'll just have a go at sort of cleaning up the windscreen as well so I bought this stuff called Geon View right which is a two-step windscreen thing um you're supposed to polish your windscreen and then apply again a ceramic coating but it's obviously a different sort because it's on glass instead um I literally only just finished it yesterday okay. but what I discovered was that I don't think it really is taking out the scratches on your windscreen. I, I think bought it's something. more like a... Mm. Yep. 
go ahead. I think it's more like a, a, what I read was that that first step is kind of sort of cleaning your windscreen as best as you can. And then it's sort of putting like a bonding layer down. So then the next, the ceramic coat will actually kind of adhere to it. Oh, right. Um, I don't think it really takes out that much in the way of like little surface kind of marks and stuff. I'll tell you next week whether it's any good or not. Yeah, because, tell me. Um, I haven't driven on it yet, but it was really easy to put on. Really Is easy it? to use, so. Yeah. yeah, I bought a windscreen polish. Yep. I bought some product. It wasn't cheap. I don't remember what brand. Would have I can't been remember Auto what brand Glimmer it is. Or something? Uh, no, it wasn't Auto Glimmer. It wasn't Maguire's. It was another brand. And I saw it on a YouTube yep. video. Someone was talking about it. Yeah. I don't think it was Larry Emma because he only promotes his own products. Maybe it was when he wasn't just yeah. promoting his own products. Maybe it was an old one. Um, right. And I bought that. And it seemed to take a few of the fine things out, but the deeper ones obviously don't come out. And, not, and I've got a big scuff in my windscreen anyway, like a big chip. Um, and obviously that's not going to come out. So, Well, look, I never paid attention to it. Like it wasn't until I was, you know, like um, putting the buffer on the windscreen to kind of just do the quick polish sort of thing. Like this, working on your windscreen, like in the, when you read the instructions, they reckon you can, where to go is like half an hour. I reckon I took about, 45 minutes because I was being a bit more meticulous. So it's right. not a hard exercise. But I I I didn't realize that um, the wipers had etched like a little bit of an arc in my windscreen. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but look, from the driver's seat when you're driving, you can't see it. It's not until I'm on the outside, you know, like with the light on the car and all that sort of stuff. Right, and you come right. Oh, there's a mark there. But so... Mm. It just depends on how picky you want to be. Like, it's just, yeah. for me, it's just when the sun hits that I've got all those little fine scratches and they drive me crazy. And the thing yep. on the driver's side, and it doesn't really bother me that much when I'm driving, I don't really notice it as much anymore. I'll probably notice it when I yep. get back, but it notices, yep. uh, Natasha, my wife, notices it because she's sitting there and it's in a view. It's straight in her eye view. That, vision? Yeah. yeah, it's that like big sort of nick out of the screen, which is always there. It's always there. It wasn't, it was there when I bought it. I didn't actually notice it. Is it, it a chip? Yeah, it's like a big chip. You could you could try filling it like um, I've had that done before and it's actually surprisingly good. Some of those windscreen chip repair things, yeah, they just kind of um, fill it with like a little bit of must be a ceramic thing as well, and it visually kind of makes it much smaller, so it's not quite as right. um, like it it doesn't make it perfect, but it's actually not a bad way of um, getting rid of most of it. Mm, like mm. I'd sort of say like maybe seven or eight out of ten. I just saw it because okay. the Porsche insurance, you get a free windscreen, you know, it doesn't affect your no claim bonus. You still have to make the claim, though, <laughs> don't you? You still got to, but you still got to make the claim, which means you got to pay the excess? Uh, no, I don't think it's any so excess. It's, Isn't it free? I think it's free. I don't think it'll be free, free, mate. I yeah, I think, think it's free. Just... No, I'm pretty sure it's free. That's one thing that policy has, the Porsche insurance policy, which is cool. It gets You get the free windscreen. I'll double check it. I'll double check it. Yeah, I could be wrong. I'll it. double check it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to, before we go, because we're going over time a bit, Steve. Um, anything else? Right. Anything else about the detailing you want to share with? Um, uh, the only other thing else? I'd sort of say is um, it sounds really stupid, right? Like I shared with you when you first bought your car. Remember, I kind of gave you a whole bunch of yellow microfiber um, yep. towels, which yep. like they're I bought, great. Like a and I bought some from... more of those too. I bought more of those yep. towels off Amazon, the same ones. So. What you start to realize is that once you've spent like all of this time, like peering at your stupid kind of car paint under lights and looking like a crazy man, um, it's true. Like the type of towel, like microfiber that you use on your car is really, really important because that's the thing that you're rubbing across the paint the whole time. Yes. Um, so I went and bought some better quality ones because I 
like I just didn't want to risk kind of scratching the car like after I kind of put all that effort into it. Yeah, I bought some Autoglim ones, I think. The UK brand, whatever the UK brand is, yep. Autoglim. I bought a, f- yep. I bought a few of their yep. better cloths. They were quite expensive, actually. I've never used them. They're still in my garage. Yep. Um, I will use them. Yeah, but I use them yet. Um, it does make a difference. Like once you get really geeky about it, there's different sort of levels of um, thickness and pile and stuff like that. And it actually does make a difference. Like just I, I would kind of go like when you watch all of these proper expert people explain stuff to you and then you start doing it. It's like, yeah, look, it does seem crazy to kind of go and buy a bag of 10 rags for like, you know, 20 bucks. But once you've invested so much time and money on the kind of equipment and stuff, you may as well go go whole hog and actually kind of do it properly. You may as well burn more of your money. Well, no offense. <laughs> like, do you know if, do you know if that last rasp guy, Andy or whatever, what does he follow you? I'm not sure why. Uh, I I was watching one of his videos when he had taken to his 964 with his kind of um, car correction regime. Oh, really? Yeah, and I noticed like, it's like, oh man, don't do that, don't do that. Like he was about to, the way he was getting his microfiber cloth with like the edging and stuff, he kind of had it bunched up like this and he was going like this. Oh, really? It's like, fuck man, you've just spent all that time um, now you know. you know. Now you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, I you don't know. just pick like, up all of this stuff. I mean, I like cleaning my car, but I don't, I don't know. I don't need more things to worry about at the moment. I feel like I've got to worry about too many other things at the moment. So mm, when you get back, I reckon you know, like, um, it's just one of those things. I get my car driving first before I can do detailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I but do you, need to do it. In principle, you enjoy like washing and maintaining your car as you and as I do, as you know, like, you know, we spend yeah, hours just kind of escaping, kind of just, you know, polishing your car or whatever. This is still the same thing. Like it's a bit more tedious and it's a bit more involved and you kind of, the problem with it is that once you start it, you have to kind of keep going because there's the risk of kind of, you know, mucking it up sort of thing. But in terms of as a hobby or as an exercise or whatever, it's the same enjoyment. Like you kind of get really satisfied uh, by, you know, working on your own car and all that sort of stuff. So you'll enjoy so it. How long do you think it would have taken those, Steve? But for the listeners who, you know, think, okay, I want to go outside. I want to, I want to detail my, my Porsche. I want to paint correct it. If you were just doing it, not in lockdown conditions and in, you know, having to go upstairs and, and look after yeah, the kids, like, how many days would you think it'd take? Is it a five day job? No, 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 no. No, you could do it. Like, uh, if you've never done it before, um, I think realistically, you're probably maybe at about two days. Two days. So um, a day to do the paint correction, do, a day to do the buffing, and then a day to do the coat? Yeah, maybe that. Um, but I think if you were, like, if I was going to do it again, I think I would be so much quicker because now I know what I'm doing okay. sort of thing. Good. You know, and there's that... That falls in line with what my uncle, like, you know, he's, he had exactly the same experience. Now, like, if you ask him, I reckon he'll tell you that he could probably do a, do his one of his cars in maybe like a day or a day and a half. Oh, that's um, good. So, so that's quite quick. That's okay. Yeah. I thought it was going to take days and days, so that's good. Uh, it'll take you days and days. I'm, I'm dead sure of that. Like, once yeah. you get going, like, you'll get sort of, you'll fall down the rabbit hole fully. I, I will do it, but I just want to, I just want to get through the, everything that has to happen when I get back and there's a lot and it's not just the car, it's other stuff as well. Um, You know, so, you know, there's a lot of things to get through and I just want to get through all that and then have a clear head before I do anything else. Um, My my advice to you is that um, 
I think that you might enjoy it because I know you enjoy kind of looking after your things and your car and stuff like that. If you kind of came back and you just sort of said, I couldn't be asked and I just want to drive it, you know, um, I think I suggested to you, it's like, oh, you can always ask Pierre to sort of see if they've got a guy there when they've got your car and you pay somebody to detail the car. I haven't you got any more money, mate. I'm going to be out yeah. of money after this. You know, I've already added up approximately how much I'm going to spend and I'm not going to show, I'm actually not going to share it this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually no, added no. it up and it's, it exceeds the amount of money I have put aside. And you know how yeah, much so. I told you I had put aside last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm well past that. I'm well past yeah. that. Um, I'm not so, so I'm a little bit like, you know, I'm trying to work out where I can cut back here and there um, just to yep. keep it down a little bit because it is, um, I didn't really want to go in excess of the money that I have aside. Um, it looks yep. like I will have to because of the bumper. Um, but, yep. you know, I just have to sort of work it out when I'm there and see how I go because there's a lot of other is things. Is there any way you can cut corners? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to cut corners because there's other things. There's yep. other things I want to do on the car which I I don't really want to cut corners on. I I want them I want them updated, changed now. I really would like to do yep. the brakes on my car. I know it's silly and I know I haven't got the the warning thing, but I yep. know they're almost gone. They're almost there, and I just don't want to. I I just feel like I just want to change them. I don't know why. I just yeah. Feel like I, want I, know, to do it. I know. I said to you, wait for the warning indicator, which I'm just rabbiting what an expert like Grant sort of said yeah. to me more than anything. But yeah. Like just just. Um, as a reference point, like how long have I had my car? Coming up to the eighth year. Yes. I've not changed. I've not changed the pads and discs on my car yet. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. See, I was watching, and and this is why I was watching. Um, and I want to share this because I think their channel is really good. Um, and I, we've yeah. said it before. Friends Green Porsche in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And really good. I like there's that a video. Part. Yeah, there's a video today that they well, it might have went up a couple of days ago. Nine nine six, the Porsche nine nine six, fortieth anniversary edition. The owner yep. of the car is the same person that owned the um, video he did, which was another really good video, which was the yellow Carrera four S nine nine six Carrera four S. The guy the speed that bought, yellow one. Yep. Yeah, the speed yellow one. The guy yep. that's bought the fortieth anniversary is also the guy that owns that car. Um, okay. And that X, that Carrera 4S was an X50 pack. Remember, that was quite special. So this guy, whoever this customer of theirs is, he's buying yep. a pretty good car. So he bought it from us, some yep. other dealer. I don't know whether this is um, Seen Through Glasses 40th Anniversary Edition car. I don't know whether yep. it is or not. It may be because yep. it said it came from a reputable dealer. So it, chances are it could be his car. Yep. Um, but it's a really good video. And because... Steve's, you know, got the detailing thing in my head and we've been talking about detailing and I'm thinking about maintenance every day on my Porsche. I'm thinking about all the things that I have to do when I get back, you know, yeah. um, the fuel thing, like I said last week, you know, the fuel's dirty. I don't know whether I said that last week, but the fuel's dirty yeah, you did. You did. and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing and all these things I'm worrying about and a few things they went through and it's a really, I just want to say to any of the listeners who haven't been to that channel, go to Friends Green Porsche and, and really subscribe. Watch it. Yep. Tell them you heard me talk about it on Porsche Cool even so that they know where, where it's come from. But they, they did quite a thing, Steve. They prepped and maintenance. They were doing prep and maintenance on this car. The car had come, yep. like I said, from the dealer. It had already had the IMS clutch and RMS rain seal done. That was already done. Okay. But they're yep. going through other things like, um, you know, he wanted the, the bumper sprayed because there was chips on it and then he wanted the lower lip painted in the GT Silver. So they, you know, yep. they took that off and it went somewhere else. So that was one part. So that's sort of relevant because yep. I'm about to get my bumper respray, replaced and resprayed, right? has to be yep. replaced, like yep. I told you. Well, I don't know whether I told the listeners, but it has to be replaced, the whole bumper. Um, yep. Then they're doing the coil packs, you know, and the coil packs are all split, yep. you know, so they had to change all the coil packs. I don't know if my car's ever had new coil packs. And apparently the coil packs, the Got shape it. has changed, so you can tell how old they are by the shape of the top of the coil packs. 
Yeah. Um, and then the brakes, he said, common thing. And then he puts a light on the inside of the disc of the rotor, inside of the wheel, yeah. and you can see all the um, grooves on the rotors. Yeah, all yeah. the grooves and stuff on the rotors, yeah. which is a common thing, which I'm sure my car has. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen them. Um, they did a major service. The front uh, condensers, air conditioning, radiator condensers or whatever, or air conditioning condensers, they yes. were all damaged from stones. Um, so yeah. they replaced those. Which is why I said to you, I reckon I had them put in the um, Renline grills on the front. Yeah, interesting. They did the bumper and they didn't put in any grills. Even though that was yeah. done, they didn't put in any grills. I know the grills are a bit of, some people say yes, some people say no, don't they? With the grills to stop the stones. Yeah. And I mean, I... Um, I don't mind the look of them. So, and because like on, they'd never, they never installed them on 996 or 997 GT3s, but 991 onwards, the factory kind of did. So I guess like to me, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, um, so I've, I've kind of put them on my car, but it was probably more just that, like that many people, or even when you wash your car, there's so many leaves that kind of get into that sort of thing. Well, and they reckon that like it yeah. locks out and starts to kind of corrode everything in there. So It's weird though. It looked pretty clean. And then they took mm -hmm. off the, the covers and whatever. Then you, you can see it. They're doing it on time lapse because it's quite fast, but they can yeah. see them getting yeah. all the leaves out. There's still leaves there, which you couldn't see when it had the covers on there. But yeah. when they took the rubber covers off and everything, there were actually still leaves in there, which were hidden. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting the common things because they're talking about these are common things they see all the time and, and they're just, yeah. you know, catching up on this car. I mean, things that was, I guess they were supposed to be done, but they weren't done. Um, yeah. You know, there was little thing like the, uh, well, they changed the exhaust back boxes because they were split and they were saying it's a common thing where they split on, on the seam underneath. On the seams. Yeah. yeah. So that was a common thing. So they changed it to the Miltech, um, Miltech boxes, which apparently they yeah. really like. They're not sponsored, but they changed them to Miltech. And that same yes. customer had put the Miltech on his um, C4S, 996 yeah, C4S, yeah, yeah. and he liked it. Um, yep. You know, he got the PCCM Plus or whatever it is system put in because he got it put in the other car as well. Had a small oil oh, leak. I'm just talking about common yeah. things, you know, things that you, you know, my yep. car had that coolant leak when I bought it, remember? And that was just like a yep. cheap fix yep. with just a plug. This one had a the small eel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was just the, the seal or whatever. This one had a small yep. oil leak, but it was just a plug washer, which they said was quite easy. Um, yep. It's just interesting because they go through the whole car. And I think, you know, if, if the listeners haven't seen the, the yellow, the speed yellow C4S one, Steve, agree, that one they should watch. You've seen it, right? And they go through the yeah, whole yeah, car. Yeah. And this one they do exactly the same. They're underneath and they're going through and showing you. And it's interesting because it's interesting when you're thinking about your car and thinking about what you want to do. They didn't talk about engine mounts, actually, surprisingly. I, I'm, I thought they would have checked those, but they didn't check those for some reason. But those it was good. Are pretty thorough. Yeah, like, it's a good, I, it's I a good video. They're, they're just really good with 996s and 7s. Like all of his videos, they basically, when they're kind of prepping the car, for sale or when they've got customers cars in um i think they're just so experienced with those two models of car that they know exactly what can kind of go wrong so they automatically go and look at all of that stuff and um it's almost like half of the course for them is that if they're going to prep a car they know that that thing will kind of go wrong so they'll yeah. just replace it before they sell it and it's like oh yeah cool so yeah. it gives you really good tips on on what to look out for your own car yeah, that's what I liked about it. That's why I was interested watching it tonight. You know, I'm gonna watch the I'm gonna watch the yellow one again. I'm gonna rewatch it. Yeah. Actually, the C4S one. What else? It seems like there's more that goes wrong on. But coil packs. Are, coil right. packs. Yeah, but coil packs. What is the thing with coil packs? I don't think the coil packs have been changed on my car. Not that I know of. Um, it's that's that's like a consumable sort of thing, isn't it? It's related to um, ignition and spark plugs. It's just like you know. 
um, your spark plugs need to be changed. Jeez, I don't have a schedule in front of me. Like every major service, ex- every major, isn't it? Spark plugs are, got, are changed over, I think. Uh, is it time or mileage though? Like yours is such a low mileage car. They changed mine over last major. I guess they'll change them over again though. Okay. I don't yeah, know. Okay. I don't know. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just I've thinking about done. things to ask about. I'm just trying to think of, I mean, I know order house will be thorough because I've told them yeah. I want everything checked, you know, and it doesn't I, have to prompt them. Though. But I'm just wondering if, you know, things like, you know, can you check the coil packs? You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get in my head things that I want to tell them to check to put on the list. Yeah. Cause sometimes they don't always, like you said, they don't always check everything. So I'm just trying to think of the things that, that I want checked, you know, and want done. Like, in my opinion, at least, like the problem with that is that if you go to your mechanic, no matter how good and trustworthy they are, and you kind of go, hey, man, can you check this, this, <laughs> this, this, and this, and this? They're probably like, I don't know if that sort of preempts the conversation where they're kind of going, okay, cool. This guy really wants his car to be tip top perfect. Therefore, mm, I kind of do. Like, and I kind of do. You know do what I mean? That. Like, it's yeah. a bit more of a mentality where you're kind of going, yeah. if you're going to be that fussy about it, um, does that mean, hey, it's open slather and, you know, <laughs> go for your life kind of thing? I guess, you know, you can always see, let them do it first and then see what they come back with. And that's what I usually do. And then I ask them questions saying, what about this? Did you check that? You know, I mean, maybe yep. that's another, I don't know. I'm trying to delay the amount of times, the, the amount of time that my car is in service because it's getting yeah, close to the end of the month. And, and I don't know how long it's yep. going to take. And the steering rack alone is going to take, like I said, you know, four to five days apparently. So. Yeah, you know, I don't think I told you, did I? No, um, what? Uh, my car's going in next week. Oh, okay. What's happening with it? Uh, Service? Stupid drivers know the window. I I suspect it might be um, from the battery going flat. You know, like my battery was dying. Remember, I sort of had it replaced. Yes. But when you, you know, when you open the door from the outside and you pull the handle, it drops Yes. To break the seal against the rubber because they're frameless windows. Yep. Um, when I pull the handle on from the outside, uh, the window drops. Yes. But as soon as you release it, it goes straight back up again. It doesn't oh. wait until you close the door. Oh, really? And it's really annoying. <laughs> wow. So I read up about it um, and like the, it's a common thing for the micro switches to fail. Um, like you got to work out whether it's the inside one or the outside one. I'm pretty sure mine's the outside one. Okay. Because when I pull the handle from the inside, the window goes down, but it stays down and then it'll go up when you close the door, but it doesn't do it from the outside. Is it an expensive fix? Yeah. I asked Chris when I made the booking and so I said, ah, oh, so what, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I read kind of it's a micro switch, blah, blah, blah. Is it the sort of thing that maybe I could just kind of come in and like hopefully just wait rather than, you know, having to leave the car with them? Yep. He sort of said, oh, look, we need to kind of diagnose it properly. So just leave the car with us for a day, which means I have to book a loan car, or, which is all fair, no, no problem at all. And I just sort of said, oh, so like worst case scenario, like, you know, oh, what's the part going to be? And he's, uh, what's the part going to cost? And he said, worst case scenario is that it's the door handle or latch, and that's 900 bucks. Oh, <laughs> yep. wow. Okay. Or for a lousy you know, stupid, annoying window that doesn't kind of, you know, go up and down. Yeah, I know. It's the little things that cost the most, isn't it? Is that with, that's not with labor, that's not with labor though. Is that with labor? Probably not. Probably not. Then you've got a few hours labor on top of that. So it's 150 easy. So if everybody can start praying for me that by by Tuesday when it goes in, that it's actually just like a micro switch rather than the whole 
stupid handle being having to be replaced. Oh, before we go, just back to that. I hope it is. That's, that's still a lot of money. Let's go back to yeah. that at the video. The other thing that they did, which is the thing that I had done before I left Sydney in um, end of 2019, 20, beginning of 2020, was the oil yep. pressure sender unit. Remember I had that replaced? Oh, yes. And that yeah, was expensive. Yeah. That was about 500 bucks or something at the time, 400 yeah. bucks fitted. Yeah. Um, and they did that on this car because the warning light would come on even though it wasn't an oil pressure problem. Mine was not reading right. Is that what Remember, happened to yours? Mine wasn't reading right. You, it's when you – there's a trick to do it and I forget the trick. It's yeah. when you turn the ignition on and how it moves and it's yes. supposed to go straight back and it, if it doesn't, that means your sender unit oh. is broken. I was going to say, like, how would they know that? Because yeah. otherwise – yeah, okay. On this one, the warning light kept coming on, they said on this car, but mine wasn't yes. that. Mine wasn't giving the correct oil pressure reading. It was always at this yep. weird – and I'm thinking this is something wrong with this. And then I found online about the test. And then when I went in there, I remember I said it to – I can't remember who Chris. I said it to, Chris or the or other – or Rick. Um, and they yep. said, yeah, that's the test for it. And I said, yeah, well, it failed. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's gone. <laughs> so And it was. And then I had to get that done. So that was like – I think just before I left, I took a car back in after the service and that was about $500 or something. So I have had that one done. Yeah. it's like Common, common things though. You've... Common things. You know, it's interesting, Steve. Well, it's just it's... the common things, yeah. It's like when you said that you're um... – power steering um, pump or your rack needs to kind of be reconditioned. It's like, oh, geez, I hope that doesn't happen to me. That sounds expensive. <laughs> 1500 I think it was. Yeah. I think. I but, don't know. You know. That, might, that might not include labor. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how much it's going to be. This is a problem. Everything's going to be things like you do whatever it takes to look after the car and all that sort of thing. But um, it's easy for the um, bills to rack up. As I've said, I haven't spent a lot of money. Well, I haven't really spent any money on the car in the last two years. Um, yeah. So in that respect, I'm kind of expecting it to be a little bit higher. The fact that the value of the car insurance-wise, not what you get for it if you sell it, but insurance-wise has gone up, it kind of doesn't yep. bother me as much. But then again, I still yep. want to keep within the amount of money that I put aside for it, which I know I'm not going to. Um, so yeah, that's sure. the other side of it. Mate, yeah, we look, better go. It's the same for me. Remember, remember like we did that podcast where I added up my bills, it's like surprisingly been pretty touch lots of wood. Um, my car hasn't required like heaps of maintenance money. So like I've been relatively lucky with it. Yeah. No, you have. I mean, it's Porsches are reliable. And, you know what I mean? Despite yeah, what Porsches what are reliable and they don't actually cost that much to run and maintain, yeah. really. I mean, yeah. touch wood, they don't cost that much. Yep. Cool, Steve, cool. let's call it. All right, mate. All good. All right, mate. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next yeah, week. No I'll talk to you soon. Have a All good right. week. Thanks, mate. All right. Thanks. <clears throat> wow. What time is it? 11.45 p.m. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. I'm very excited. You didn't do your sign out. <laughs> I'm still doing a sign out now. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. <laughs> this is my sign out. You've got all casual stuff. <laughs> all right, You're everyone. Pants off and... <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. That's Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath. Um, and that's about it for the Porsche Cool podcast today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.